0: You are listening to The Savvy Painter Podcast, episode number 283. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Savvy Painter Podcast. Oh, so I have been having a really good week, really interesting week. I've decided to give myself a little challenge, and that challenge is 100 paintings in 100 days. It's been a long time since I have done something like that. So I'm kind of excited about it, a little bit like nervous about it, because it requires me to really hone in my schedule. And that's something that I'm constantly kind of revising and playing with to find, just dialing it in to find what works for me and to figure out like, how do I do all of the things that I want to do because there's just so much that I want to do and allow myself what I call white space, which is just time to be and do nothing. So it's been really interesting, even just week one of this, of trying to figure that out. Like most things, I started off, I would say, with like just like all over it, right on time, just getting things done, not worrying too much about it, just focused on, okay, I'm going to make sure this happens. And then as the week progressed, little things started to slip, which gives me the opportunity to sort of look at what I'm thinking and look at why I'm slipping and why I'm choosing to delay things or tweak schedules just a little bit. It is very revealing. I will say that. And that's what I love about doing these projects, because it's not just about getting 100 paintings in 100 days, although that is really fun. And it's going to allow me to just play around. So right now, as I'm recording this, before I start, I hit the record button. I was kind of thinking, do I want to just like give myself full liberty with this and just paint whatever I want? Or do I want to constrain it? And there's a part of me that I kind of want to constrain it. And so the two ideas that I have is to, so one of them was to do self-portraits, just black and white self-portraits. So that would be really constraining it. And then I was thinking, wow, a hundred self-portraits, how many different ways can I paint myself? I'm going to have to get really inventive and do that on a daily basis. That will be challenging, which is the point of it. But I also found myself kind of going like, do I really want to do that? Because I also have all these other ideas. I live on a house that's on a hill that overlooks the city that I live in. And so I have this amazing view out of my kitchen and my dining room. Basically, the whole house just faces west and every single window that looks west overlooks the whole city and there's a lake and you can see a mountain range off on the horizon. So there's a million opportunities just looking out that kitchen window or looking out the dining room window or the bedroom window. So there's a part of me that I'm like, oh, that would be really fun to do like a 100 views from inside of the house, just these like really quick little paintings. So I kind of started doing both. I haven't made up my mind yet. I did a couple paintings from various places, just looking out over the city and thinking it's kind of like a hundred views of Mount Fuji, <laughs> which I kind of like, like a hundred views of Carlos Pass. So it could be 50 50. So that's where back where the number came from. It could be I do 50 self portraits in black and white, and then I do 50 landscape views outside of my window. So that's what I'm up to. These days. And if you want to follow along with that, you can follow that on my personal Instagram page, which is Antrice Wood. And I'll also be posting them in the private Savvy Painter community. So let's jump into this week's podcast episode. I want to talk about releasing other people's thoughts. I know so many artists struggle with this, and so many humans struggle with this. It's not just us artists, but it comes up often. So let's talk about it. In this episode, we're going to talk about why other people's thoughts matter, some of the ways that we think about other people's opinions that aren't very helpful for us. And I'm going to give you some ideas of how to break that cycle. And You know, I think this is so important because intellectually, most of us know, yeah, 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 other people's opinions, it really doesn't matter, or we think that they don't impact us that much, or we think we're not considering them that much, but we do. But here's the thing, we are human beings, and as human beings, one of our core needs is to belong. So of course, we're going to care about other people's opinion. So, of course, we are going to be sensitive to other people's opinions. And what I hope to give you with this episode is just some different ways to look at it, different ways of catching it, different ways of seeing how you can minimize that. If that is something that is causing you a negative impact, if it's causing something that you don't want, if it's pulling you away from you're painting what you really want to paint, if it's pulling you away from your goals, if it's pulling you away from tuning into your own voice. So let's just look at that. Honestly, why do other people's thoughts and opinions matter so much? They matter so much because we want to feel validated. We want to feel accepted and we want to feel like we belong. Again, that's one of the core Things of being a human being is we are social and we need other people. We don't live in a vacuum. And the truth is some people's thoughts, some people's opinions do matter because they can help us. We are part of a community. And so we, because we don't live in a vacuum, because other people's opinions can influence what happens with us, there is some truth to it. So It's really easy to kind of like have this blanket statement of, oh, yeah, I shouldn't worry about other people's opinions. Or I know that like deep down, other people's opinions don't matter, but they can. They really can. And I want to acknowledge that and we're going to take a look at it. So we want to feel validated. And oftentimes, the way that we get that feeling of validation is from other people. So When other people like our work, we make that mean that our work is good enough. When other people like our work, we make that mean that our place as an artist is recognized, it's valid, I belong here in the artist community, or my ideas are quote-unquote good. We want to feel accepted. We want to feel like I am safe here in this artist community. These are my people. I belong. This is where... I should be. And I'm accepted here as an artist and people recognize that. And feeling that safety is important because when you feel safe and when you feel secure as an artist, you're able to access your creativity more. You're able to create, to be bold, to access your intuition. And so wanting to feel accepted and wanting to feel like we belong and wanting that safety, it makes total sense. We're kind of hardwired to look for safety with other people, to look for the community to give us safety. But in the context of creating your art, the safety doesn't come from belonging to the group. The safety is something that we create for ourselves first. And if you can learn to create that safety for yourself first, before looking to other people to get it, then you can show up authentically in your studio. Then we can find our true belonging, our true communities. But until we find and create that safety within ourselves, and we're looking to other people to give it to us, we're really looking in the wrong place. That kind of safety comes from the decision that I have my own back. I am an artist and I'm claiming my spot here as an artist. And knowing that and having that self-security, having that self-confidence that yes, I am an artist and I don't need other people's validation to tell me whether or not I belong here or whether or not I'm accepted here or whether or not I'm good enough. Once you create that safety for yourself, then you can go out and find the groups where you do align with them and it is congruent, but they're not giving that safety to you. It's a little bit different, right? Because a lot of times our thoughts about it are a little bit backwards in the sense that we want other people to tell us first who we are before we'll claim that. We want other people to tell us first that yes, you are one of us. And the problem with thats that When you are not creating that safety for yourself, when you're constantly looking outside and you don't quite have that settled within yourself, and there's always this question, am I in the right place? Do I belong here? And there's this constant anxiety of looking to other people to tell you whether or not this is okay for you to be an artist and for you to create your work. And if that's where you're coming from, While you're creating your work, what will happen is there'll be a lot of second guessing of what you're doing. There'll be a lot of questioning the validity of what you're doing as opposed to making declarations about, yes, this is who I am as an artist. This is what I paint. This is what I am curious about. This is what I am discovering. This is what I am exploring. This is what I see and this is what my response is to what I'm seeing. And here it is on my canvas. See how different that is? Like, just imagine if that's the conversation in your head, as opposed to, mm, I don't know, like, should I be doing this? Will it be okay if I paint this? Will people like this? Well, like, is, does this fit in with a group? What if I want to paint something different? What if I, well, like, am I doing it right? Am I sticking to what I, sh- quote unquote, should be painting There's this underlying sense I hear a lot of from artists is wanting to look outside of themselves to see if they're doing it right. It's some flavor of that. And as long as you're looking outside of yourself, you're not tapping into your inner voice and you're not becoming intimate with that inner voice. And that's the part where your best work comes from. Your best work comes from discovering who you are from the inside. Your best work comes from you making choices about what you like and what you don't like and how you like to make marks. It doesn't come from the opinions of other people. And unless you spend enough time with yourself in that space of sufficiency, in that space of, I may not know the answer, but I know who I am while I'm looking for the answer. I know who I am while I'm painting. That is so different from, I don't know the answer and it must be outside and I need other people to say, yes, that's it. And so often, some of the things that people will say when I talk about this with them is, well, I want to sell my art, so of course other people have to like it, or I want to know if it's good, or I want other people to like it. That may be true, but the decisions you make while you're at the canvas are have to come from you. And this is the part where it gets really confusing, right? Because intellectually so many people will say, "Yes, of course I know that. I don't do that. I know that." But they still want to know from other people. They want somebody else to say like, "Yes, I validate you." And you have to be very careful with that because so often what I see is artists who are abdicating their own decisions about their art to other people. So they're relying on other people. And this is the thought error. This is the kind of the crux of the problem. They're relying on other people's thoughts in order to feel good about what it is that they're creating. And it's so backwards when we feel good about what we create, when we stand behind our own art, when we stand behind our own decisions, when we have our own back in our painting, what happens is we create our own validation. We are more bold in our decisions with our art. We give ourselves permission to choose subjects without reservation. And when we do that, we paint with conviction. We don't second guess. We don't switch gears out of fear or insecurity. We paint from love. We paint from love of the art, of the feel of the brush on the canvas, of the magic that we create when we allow ourselves to drop into our truest and highest selves. And the only way that we can drop into that place is when we are painting, when we are creating from a place. Of the safety that we create, that I know who I am while I'm creating this. I have my own back. I may not know exactly what I'm doing while I'm looking at this canvas. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I started this podcast even saying, like, I'm not sure if I want to paint portraits for this 100 day challenge that I'm doing, if I want to paint portraits, if I want to paint black and white portraits, if I want to paint the landscapes. So, we will have questions about our art. We will be thinking, like, I'm not sure if I want to do this or that. That's a decision that I have to make as the artist. And it's a decision that I will make from a place of my own curiosity versus what are other people going to think? Like, if I chose, for example, to paint 100 self portraits because I'm afraid that if I paint 50 self portraits and then I paint 50 landscapes, that people are going to think I'm scattered or people won't understand what I'm doing. That is where the problem comes in, because I'm not allowing myself to really jump into like, what am I curious about? Why am I curious about painting self-portraits in black and white? I'm curious because I want to see how far I can push that idea, see how many different ways I want to do it learn what I don't even know right now that I will learn. If I stay really curious about it and I stay playful with it and I give myself these constraints from a place of, I wonder what I can do with this versus I'm going to do this because it looks good because I don't even know. I'm going to do this because I'm going to stay with the portraits, because I think that's how it should be done. Because I think if I did something different every day, then it's not going to fit together. And then people will get confused and they won't understand. I trust my audience. So first of all, I have to trust my own curiosity and allow myself to take that wherever it leads. So I'm going to take my curiosity, for example, I might be talking myself into doing 100 self portraits right now, you might be watching this and listening to this in real time, who knows, haven't decided yet. But I might take my curiosity to places that I right now can't even fathom while I am playing with this idea. And I will be learning more and more about who I am as a painter if I'm staying within my own intuition, if I'm staying in within my own vision, and I'm asking myself deeper and deeper and deeper questions about what it is that I like, what it is I'm curious about, what it is that I discover the mistakes that I make while I'm creating this, and then how I respond to those mistakes and what that ends up looking like on the canvas, on the paper, on whatever substrate is being used. I will never get to those deeper, deeper questions if I'm thinking, does so and so like this? Does like, is this landing with everybody else? Because the second that I start to question or try to get into other people's heads, I have left my own mind. I have left my own self and I am no longer driving the painting. I hope that makes sense. I'm no longer in that space of like really diving deep into my own curiosity, my own wonder. I'm now pretending like I can read other people's minds and responding to my fears about what they may or may not be thinking and not going deeper and deeper and deeper into my own curiosities and my own wonder about what is it that I can do with this idea. And if I'm bouncing back and forth, I'm going to stay on a surface level because I will never, I might say like, oh, okay, I'm really curious about what happens if I, how many different ways can I do this? Or what have I not discovered about my own painting? And then if I switch gears and start thinking about and allowing my creative process to be influenced by what will other people think, what, like, I want people to like this, I want people to understand it. I'm not going to get any deeper than that first or second question because I have like taken myself out of the thought process and kind of left my own creative process behind. And the more that I stay inside of my own creative process, the more I stay inside of my own curiosity and wonder and I create that safety for myself, then the more I learn and understand about my own choices and Every time that I learn something and I understand something about my thoughts about painting, then I paint with more conviction. And I'm not second guessing myself or switching gears out of fear or insecurity. When I create that safety for myself, when I am relying on my like really, really, really paying attention to my thoughts and to the feeling in my body as I'm painting and really staying in that presence and being in that place where it's just me and my curiosity about whatever it is that I'm painting, then I really am at that moment painting from a place of love. I'm painting from a place of love of the art. I'm painting from a place of a love of just the feel of the brush on the canvas, of the magic that we as artists create when we allow ourselves to drop into our truest and higher selves. That is where the magic comes from. It doesn't come from staying on that surface level and allowing all of those other people into the room, let's say. And our work, when you do that, when I do that, what happens is our work gets better faster, because it is true to who we are. And we're creating from a place of wonder instead of a place of worry. And that is so, so powerful. And it just feeds this upward spiral. So just think about that for a second. When we create that safety, when we feel good about our art, we don't need other people to validate the work. We create the validation ourselves we fall in love with our own work. And every time I say that, every time I suggest that, I love doing this in Growth Studio, where I will, I'm just going to go on a little side tangent here, but it's a really important one because when I suggest to artists that they should fall in love with their own work, they squirm so hard and it just makes me laugh because the idea is that if they fall in love with their own work, then they're saying that their work is amazing in like, I think like the place that a lot of artists go to is if I say that I love my own work, or if I say I fall in love with my own work, then I am somehow putting myself on a pedestal, putting myself up above historical artists, putting myself up above my contemporaries and it makes people really, really squirm. It's so interesting because the idea is the only way that you can fall in love with your own work is if it is better than. And I'm suggesting that you simply fall in love with your own work as it is today when you are creating it from a place of full presence, of full wonder and full curiosity. And you can be as in love with that person whatever work that you're creating as, and here's how I think of it. When we were little and we used to draw and we used to paint, we would fall so in love with the work. Like I would finish a drawing and I would take it running to show somebody and be like, mommy, mommy, look at this. And you want to show it to somebody, right? Because you think it's the most amazing thing in the world. When you're a kid, you're just delighted by what happened on that paper when your crayon hit it or whatever it was that you were doing, right? You're not saying that you're better than any other seven year old. You're certainly not saying that you're better than any other artist. You're simply loving that piece of work and the fact that you created it and you had that magical feeling that we get when we drop into that state of flow. It has nothing to do with anyone else. And that's the magic. And I would. I just I just so hope that you can connect with that and not make it mean anything else. You can fall in love with your own work, period. And it has nothing to do with anyone else. So let's talk about that. What does it mean to fall in love with your own work? It does not mean that you are being arrogant about it. It doesn't mean that you are claiming it's the best and that it's free from any error, or that it's beyond judgment, or that it couldn't be better. Truly falling in love with your work is so far away from that. Falling in love with your work as I define it, and you're welcome to steal this and I hope you do, falling in love with your own work as I define it means respecting the work. It means wanting what is best for your painting. It means allowing your painting space and room to grow and to flourish, listening to what it needs, loving it exactly as it is now so that it can grow into what it will become. Think about that for a second. Loving your work exactly as it is now so that it can grow into what it will become. You cannot grow your work into what it will become if you're looking at the work and wishing it were something different than what it is. So let's break that down some more, okay? (laughs) Because it's so worth digging into this. Respecting your work means respecting the process and the materials that you use. Respecting your work means respecting the ancestry, the history of art, knowing Whose shoulders you are standing on and acknowledging their work, learning from them, being curious about them, honoring them, but not comparing yourself to them. Respecting the art means understanding the craft and having the patience while you learn the craft. Respecting the art means giving up your entitlement. I know, that's a big one. It's a hard one for a lot of people because sometimes we just get confused. We think that our skills should be different than what they actually are. And we don't want to do the sometimes tedious, less glamorous work, the work that you don't post on Instagram, the work that you don't show to people, the very important work that ends up in the trash. I'm going to say that again. The very important work that ends up in the trash. A part of us doesn't think that we should have to do that. A part of us doesn't think that. We should create work that we don't like at that moment, that doesn't turn out quite the way that we wanted it to. We get confused and we think that everything should be amazing and Instagram worthy, but because it's not, we think there's something wrong with us. Intellectually, we know that the masters went through miles and miles and miles and miles of canvas That sucked. It happened to them too. That's the only way they got to be masters. That's how they got to their level of mastery. Intellectually, we know that. Yet there's a part of us that is still unwilling to go through the suck. Let's call it like we don't want to go through the suck. That's the part that resists, the part of us that doesn't want to do it. That's the part that sort of like whines and cries and blames other people, like or blames ourselves, usually should be better by now. This isn't working. My kids, my job, my studio, they're in the way. Respecting the art means understanding your path to mastery and taking it with your eyes wide open. Falling in love with your art requires that level of respect, that level of honesty. If you want what's best for your art, you take your ego out of it if you want what's best for your art, you don't demand that it be something different when you haven't put the work into the artist, meaning you, to make it different. I was on a friend of mine's website, and she reminded me of this quote that you've probably heard, but I every time I hear it, I just get the shivers. And the quote is, every blade of grass has an angel gently whispering, grow, grow, grow. And for some reason... We artists think that every painting has a tyrant screaming, you should be better. I don't like you. You're not good enough. Paint faster. You should be different. This isn't good enough. What will people think? That is not love. Falling in love with your art means seeing it as it truly is and loving it for where it is and then inviting it to join you in your own growth and evolution. There is absolutely no arrogance in that you are not now nor will you ever be better than or less than another artist. So you can let go of using other artists as a measuring stick to beat yourself with. Loving your art means being present and giving it your full attention while you're creating it. It means listening to an intimate conversation and responding only to that. Later, you might invite other people to have a conversation with your painting, but while you are creating it, it is a private, intimate conversation. And that private, intimate conversation needs to be protected. It needs to be encouraged. It needs to be cultivated. When it's time for other people to engage in a conversation with your art, that is also a private conversation. And it's none of your business. You're not entitled to be a part of it. What? That is so hard for a lot of people to really grasp. But it's, if you think about it, it is so, so true. Loving your art means trusting it out in the open and knowing that it will be okay and that you will be okay. Some people will love it. Some people are going to be completely apathetic. And then some people are going to just hate it. It's none of your business. It's not about you. It's about their thoughts about a painting that they're seeing or a drawing that they're seeing. Now, you may want to have conversations with other people about their experience with your art, but their experience is their experience and it's not about you. I know that's hard because we invest so much of ourselves with our art. We have this amazing relationship with it while we're creating it. It is, we're, pulling all of our intimate selves and putting it into this canvas and putting ourselves into this canvas. And then we have to let other people have an experience with it. And it makes sense that we kind of get confused a lot and think that when other people have experiences with our canvases, that we are somehow entitled to be part of that experience. But what if we're not? And what if we just let go of that? And what if we just let our art out into the world and allow other people to have experiences with it and not make it mean anything about ourselves? When we do that, we are releasing other people's opinions. We are releasing their thoughts and their ideas from our own creative process. It is a subtle nuanced distinction, but it is a really powerful one because you. Create your work and you let other people have their own opinions about it. And maybe you have a conversation with people. So, so this is where, again, there's lots of places where artists get stuck because some artists are like, no, 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 but I really want the conversation. I want the engagement. I want to have all those conversations. It's a nuanced, subtle difference, but you're having a conversation now. Like at that point, you're having a conversation about this piece of art that you created and You're allowing that other person that you're having the conversation with to have their own experience with it. So it's almost like you're meeting your own art for the first time through somebody else's eyes and being really curious about that, as opposed to looking to them to tell you whether or not it's good enough. You already know it's good, you've already fallen in love with it. Now you get to experience. How other people experience. And that's a whole separate conversation. Really interesting and totally worth having. But once you kind of separate those two, then your creative process is your own. And the showing of the art and the discussion of your art and learning about your art through the eyes of other people can be something that's really exciting and fun and engaging because you're not listening to everything they're saying, wondering. If there's any subtext of, I'm not good enough, I don't belong here, I'm not really an artist, I don't know what I'm doing, this isn't good enough, my painting's not as amazing as I want it to be, right? You're not looking for their opinions about it, you're having a conversation about what you created. Very subtle, nuanced difference, but it makes an enormous change in how you think about your own art and it allows you. Like when you really internalize this, when you really kind of work with this idea of falling in love with your own art for its own sake, having your own intimate conversation with your own work as you're creating it and with your own thoughts about that particular piece that you're making in that moment and about art in general and how that all comes together for you in that moment, you are just layering on more and more of your understanding of who you are as an artist and what it is that you want to say, and you're allowing yourself the space to do that without getting confused by other people's opinions. And then you get to choose later on whether or not you engage in conversations about it and how you choose to do that, whether that's in person or that's online. When you make it about the art and not about your capacity as an artist, then you can release other people's opinions and allow them to like it or dislike it, and it doesn't impact you as the creator. So that's what I have for you this week. I hope you have a fabulous week filled with lots of creativity, lots of questions for yourself, and lots of love for yourself as the artist. Take care. When you are aware of how powerful your mind is, you show up to your studio differently. You notice the abundant opportunities to level up your presence in the studio. And when you do that, you stop worrying about whether or not you have a voice because you know it was already there. Now your best work comes more easily. Join Growth Studio now. I show you your blind spots and help you create confidently. Just go to SavvyPainter.com forward slash join.